0: Hello, everybody. It's time for the weekly Saunders and Redders NDCA Suburban Districts podcast. Without any further ado, I'm David Redden and he's Dan Saunders. Hello, guru. Hi, Redders. Hi, all. How are you going? Oh, look, after an extraordinary weekend of cricket, particularly Sunday's John Bull Shield results, which we'll go into later, one of those results was utterly amazing, ladies and gentlemen. You will not believe if you haven't heard the story. Of uh, the Maitland game. Uh, you will be, get ready because it's just the most extraordinary finish to Gammer cricket I think I have ever seen. Um, and yeah, look, it's completely changed the the the, the structure of the final the, the final in the John Bull Shield. And we've got a lot to get through. John Bull Shield, uh, our, our usual stuff, going through games, previewing next week, Newcastle Chile Brothers. We've got a very special guest coming on shortly. Um, and a hell of a lot happening uh, in cricket. Dan Saunders, here we go. Um, some very, very quick, uh, put it this way, without um, bonus points being able we'll to be picked up, some of the teams in this competition have picked up important quotient this in this last round. Wait till you hear how many overs. They have some very, very low scoring results with wet, wet decks. The first two results were almost identical. Maryland Mudrats all out for 83 at Connolly Park. And Waterboard got them two down in 18.2 overs. In the next game, the Rose Scholars right back on the horse, row right? Nelson Bay all-out, 82 at home at Don Waring Oval. And the Rose Scholars got them three down after 23.4 overs. The West Journeyman made 75 at Hexham on what I can only assume was a nice old soupy pitch. And um, in reply, Warners Bay got them seven down in 27 over. So a tough game of cricket um, on what I'd imagine had a, a pitch with a bit in it. By far the highest scoring uh, game of the round. And I mean by far. Port Stevens seven for 174 off 40. And CB's all out for 140. That's uh, seven for 174, I'm sorry, off 40. And CB's all out, 140. Big win for the Pythons. And we'll talk about what's happened with the ladder shortly. And... Just a perfect timing for Rowan Kelly to join us in the podcast. I'll introduce Rowan in a minute. Redhead all out 91 and in another quotient boosting win, Merriweather got him two down in 21.1 overs. And Dan, would you uh, join with me in making a very warm welcome from the Merriweather Lions Career Club? Rowan Kelly. Rowan is a very warm welcome to our podcast.
1: Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolute okay, no, pleasure. No way, Let's. Listen, now that you're here, we're going to go straight to your game. Well, um, it, it's yep. not in the order on play HQ, but we're going to go straight to your game. Tell us, Rowan. First of all, there was weather around. I know it affected my, our, our game. Um, our, our games on the northern side of the river um, was Lyles over a little bit a little bit spongy and damp, or was it okay?
1: Yeah, absolutely, it was. Um, I live in Redhead, so it wasn't far for me to go and have a look. So I had a look there on Friday morning, and not much had been done, and Friday afternoon still not much had been done, and then. Um, there's a little bit of work getting done about six o'clock on Saturday, oh, Friday night. So I um I thought I'd be interesting to see the next day. And yeah, it was a bit spongy. And a couple of the fellas bowlers, Adam Britt, who never ever wants to bowl first, came straight to me and said, I think we should have a bowl. And I said, Righto, I'm backing his. And that's what we did.
0: Well, the performance by the the opening bowlers in particular, your bowlers actually had a good day out, but seven for thirty were redhead and I'm sure the very of the guys are sitting on peeing like and having a cold beverage quite early in the afternoon and then John King batting at eight got made 21 Kel Jeffries made sorry Kai Jeffries made 29 batting down the order still all out for 91 on a, as as we discussed a pitch with a bit in it and talk us through Jason Pratton's Michelle five for 16 off eight overs exceptional figures Rowan
1: yeah he's been bowling very well um, yes he has I brought him on probably earlier than I would normally do um, I gave Adam Britt a bit of a spell and thought we'd utilize him to um, at the back end of the innings a bit more. And um yeah, Jace bowled really well and obviously his five four was well deserved. And you know, I think since he Must have had a good Christmas because he's bowled very well since um since the festive period. So uh, yeah, he bowled very well. So um yeah, and and good cat. We felt it pretty well on the weekend. Um so yeah, we dropped a couple a couple of weeks ago and we've been pretty good the last couple of weeks, but so here we go.
0: Oh, you're in great, they're in great form, aren't they, Dan? Particularly the, not just the fact that there's Ws in the column, but it's how Merriweather is doing it and the speed in which they have been quite ruthless over the last month.
2: Yeah, look, Merriweather, um, well, sitting outright second on the ladder, very consistent, um, as we say each week. They're one of the few teams that know how to bat 40 overs when they bat first. They always find a way. I think there's only one game recently that had a couple of losses where I think they still got about 32 or 33 hours when probably had no right to get to there how the game had transpired but um I mean Rowan having a bait like Adam Brett uh, is I mean I I would argue that he's possibly the best bowler in the competition, certainly the most consistent um, and Jace Spratney, good mate of mine, he hadn't taken a five for his life and he's uh, pushing about 80. And he's taken two this year. (laughs) Uh, I actually just
1: saw him down the beach on the boogie board from a distance. So maybe that's it. A bit of um, late afternoon beach work might be helping him.
2: Well, he he hits the nets too, (laughs) believe it or not, still. And uh, he just loves the game. And it's it's great to see. And he's scoring some runs as well. But his performance of the ball, I guess, um, having that extra, uh, I guess, string in your bow, especially leading at this time of year, now, you, you can certainly be a lot. Well, I know last year was a very odd year for Meriwether, considering how successful they usually are, normally hovering around the top two or three season in, season out across both competitions. Um, Warner's Bay just having just one of those seasons that you hope to have, but Meriwether are leading the rest of the pack. Um, what do you put it down to, Rowan?
1: Oh, I would not know. I, wouldn't even, I can't even say that it's having the same team on the park at the moment. I, I think we've got a lot of work to do. Um, I mean, we, you know, we're, we've been fortunate in the last couple of weeks that we've bowled first and bowled well, actually. Um, but there's been a few times where we haven't done that. I, I don't know. Everyone, we've got a pretty good, um, like, we all get on really well. Even last year, as you alluded to, yeah, I don't know what happened last year. I think it was just a mixture of the COVID stuff and yeah. inconsistency with people playing and um, just, just one of those years with, you know, we a couple of washouts. But, yeah, we didn't, our morale was still pretty high and, no one, yeah. You know, there was no blue one or anything like that where where this year much similar, but we, you know, we won a few before Christmas, which helped. But, I mean, we've still got a lot to do. I think those other teams that you spoke about, like we played Warners Bay this week and they're very strong. And, you know, Grimo's got them going really well um, this year as they've returned to the top flight, which I'm glad they are because I'm looking forward to playing at Warners Bay <laughs> this week with the facilities. So, um, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I don't know. We're going okay, but we've still got four or five games left. And, you know, obviously we want to try and finish top two to to, um, to make the most of those second chances and and potential washouts. Oh,
0: we'll talk about the structure of the, the – particularly the top six in a little while. And in reply, Merriweather took – didn't muck around. Paul Dan, 28. Dave Cooper, 28. Lee Harris not out 25. And Jason Pratton was there at the end. And they got them in 21.1 overs, uh, a one for there to Cole Burroughs' spell Given the small traces, superb, ladies and gentlemen. Eight overs, two maidens, one for 17. We must make notice of that. But that is a thumping victory to a very much informed side in Merriweather, Dan. And um, they just keep on going on. But again, when we come to the previews of this week, what a game this is. It's a potential, it is a potential preliminary final. It's also a potential grand final dress um, uh, rehe- rehearsal. In, in, in my opinion, I think there's a real chance that these two could actually play in the grand final.
2: Oh, look, every every chance. Currently sitting one-two on the ladder. Um, I've, I've done my projections and um, I, th- I think the Pythons have probably are a better run home looking at the opposition to Merriweather. So Merriweather really needs to be on their game because the Pythons, they're the one team I can see who have the opportunity to maybe slip in the second if Merriweather falter. Um, and again, Merriweather back-to-back wins. And Rowan will, will know. He don't, probably doesn't want me rubbing nose in him. But prior to that, there's three losses in a row with a washout in the middle either side of Christmas. Um, so they've found some form at the right time of the season and a win over Waters Bay this week would be huge for their season, not just for morale, which is already obviously in a great place, but would just about, I think, lock in
0: second spot. It's, it's a massive game. It's a six-point swing, to be quite honest. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, Let's have a look. Um, The Mud Rats, 83 all out, waterboard two for 85 at Connolly. That's just a shellacking and waterboard are looking, from my perspective, quite ominous. Now, unfortunately, Dan, have you got any information there? There is a few figures from waterboard. Uh, Patrick Lockhart made 36 knot, Jacob Rippon 24 uh, let me just see if the bowling figures have been put in. Yes, they have. So, Michael Rippon, 4 for three. Goodness gracious me. This will be in Saunders, Newcastle, Chili Brothers Review for sure. 8 overs, 5 maidens, 4 for 13, Michael Rippon. And James, James Earl. No, not that James Earl, but the other one. 3 for 17 off 6, ladies and gentlemen. Um, unfortunately, the figures have been put in. Dan, again, another thumping performance. And waterboard really getting hot when it matters. Yeah, look, um,
2: not much really to report on this game. Uh, Michael Rippon apparently bowled exceptionally well, had it on a string. Um, Those figures, as you mentioned, man of the match performance here by Michael Rippon, well backed up there by James Earl, not James Earl Jones. Um, They've gone about the run chasing in in good time. Uh, They've knocked those 85 runs over in just over 20 overs. uh, 18.2, got them knocked over before drinks. Um, bonus, point, bonus point,
0: bonus point, bonus <laughs> point. I'm not going to give that up, I'm telling you. I know, I Just as an example, there are at least three games here. And Ron, I'd love to open this up to you because I know that everyone's got a different opinion about this. Given the fact that Waterboard have got their um, chase in 18.2, the Rose Scholars inside 24, and your own Merriweather have got them in 21. Do you think that given a lot of other competitions, not just in Newcastle but all over the state, do have bonus points, do you think it's appropriate for this competition to even consider bonus points so that, as an example, Merriweather gets all four points from Saturday?
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but it's something that could be looked at. Um, you know, we're trying to make this competition pretty exciting, and which it is. Um, yes, it is. And that, and that might certainly get some teams who might get a move along in the second innings to try and, to chase the runs down and, and, you know, give some of the teams who are lower down the order, possibly a chance to to move up a little bit if they can, you know, jag a, a bonus point win. But, yeah, I mean, plenty of competitions have bonus points in, in more sports. So, I um, yeah, I couldn't say no at the moment to it, but and it's something that certainly could get addressed. Or are going to be good.
0: Thank you for that. Um, I know that on the northern part of the peninsula it was very wet, and I've got no doubts that Don Waring Oval had a bit in it. Uh, Nelson may all out 82 off 33.3 overs at home. The Rose Scholars, Dan Saunders, you've been talking about the Rose Scholars needing to get back into gear while they certainly have, and they've done that emphatically over there at, at, at Nelson. Yeah, from um, my understanding, and we'll talk
2: about um, another game shortly, but there were two, two games where the outfield hadn't been mowed. This is one of them, um, which made... The scoring very low, very difficult to uh, find the boundary. Don Waring was one hex and part the other. Um, this game, going into it, Nelson Bay had been pretty consistent. There was a two-point break between these teams, between Team 6, Rogue Scholars, and Team 7, Nelson Bay. And victory at Don Waring for Nelson Bay would have brought them up tied and, and tagged onto the back of that top six. Unfortunately for Nelson Bay, um, dismissed for 82, uh, Rogue Scholars, back in form. They needed it after quite a run um, over the last six weeks without there to win. Three for 22 to Pat Considine who's one of their, uh, I mean his last year's Division 1 Player of the Year. I know he's battled some injury this year. They'll need him on the park for the next month to really make or break their season. Some very impressive figures by Jeremy Baxter. Four for nine from three. Uh, to Skittle Nelson Bay for 82. Uh, Joseph Clark, anyone really there with the bat to do any uh, damage to the Rogue Scholars attack. And then uh, Corey Bruce, um, been the mainstay they're batting this year, they got him cheap for five, Plummer went straight through him. But again, Pat Constantine, after backing up three for 30 not out, steering the team home. Um, you know, I'd imagine probably a player of the match performance there. Three for 83 and 23 overs. Um, what that's done, there's now a four-point break on the ladder between team six and team seven. And when we look at this week's fixtures, you'll actually see we've got... Um, it's going to be make or break for those bottom four trying to tack on to five or six. That golf could open up pending on results this weekend. It's So one of those rounds, another
0: anomaly where basically teams next to each other play each other. Exactly. Rowan, an extraordinary uh, finish here. Nelson Bay, interestingly, won that toss and batted. And they were actually going along like, okay. they were three for 68.
1: Nelson Bay, yeah, all yeah, out
0: two, seven for fourteen. Rowan,
1: amazing. They they played us. They beat us a couple of weeks ago, and they they were pretty good. They got some um handy batsmen that we didn't get out cheap. So um yeah, they did they did quite well on the weekend again.
0: They most certainly did, and um you know water waterboard playing good competitive cricket as are the Rose Scholars. And look, the, I think the most important thing in with the Rose Scholars is they've got themselves back on track. And if Considine's taking three for and get making 30 30 red egg, that sends a message to everybody else that he's probably injury free and he's playing good cricket. And that that he he's that he's their talisman from my perspective. So a very good win to the rose Scholars. As Dan, as sorry Dan, you had uh, Dan, do you want to go and then take us go on to the next game, Journeyman and the Bay Ahexham, points. Over to you, yeah. sir.
2: Yeah, just um, be remiss not to mention Tom Trudenik with the new ball in that road score scholars for Nelson Bay. Five overs, two maidens, no wickets for four. May not have got wickets, but the wickets have come from the other end. Even Jason uh, France, eight overs, one for 11, so very tight bowling. But again, um, the, the outfield there not being made. And to the point where the umpires felt need to comment, um, which then leads us into this next game. Now, I don't normally toss out uh, too many uh, compliments, I guess. I'm not for sure that. But the work that um, the journeymen are doing with the wicket up there at Hexham Park, considering what they've got to work with, the weather conditions, being on a swamp plane, uh, they're doing a fantastic job to get that wicket up week in, week out. And Unfortunately, it's not being matched uh, by other areas, i.e. the outfield uh, the council. Um And my mail is it still hasn't been touched leading into this weekend. Now, they're doing everything they can to get that moan. Um, Hopefully, council are putting it off for tomorrow. Due to the wet weather early in the week, maybe they've been waiting until it's dry. They've had a scorcher today. It's supposed to be hot again tomorrow. Um, But this journeyman result against Warners Bay. Top of the table, Warners Bay against the journeyman. Um, Again, a very early collapse. Seven for 34, the journeyman, which could have been another real early David, I've got to give um, props to Alex Scott. Alexander Scott, 17-year-old, he's batted significant time, top scored with 28 off 59. Handy spin bowler, but he's done a job for his team. Jed Gaston, also a young fella, to get that to a total, which, as we've seen, it ended up a competitive total. Three not out, but he's faced 31 deliveries. You've got an attack of Smith, Riding, Grimshaw and Ballenden, and uh, Rowan's very familiar with those guys, especially Matthew Riding, a former Merriweather opening bowler. Um, hats off to those young fellas for digging in it would have been very easy to clock off and go oh gee this is too hard but it is Division 1 cricket Um, but well done Alex Scott 28 and 51, Dave Sullivan uh, season campaigner, 12 off 11 he's just going to see the ball, hit the ball and Jed Gaston, well done again, 3 for 31 Warners Bay's bowling Simon Smith, 3 for 11 off 8 keeps on keeping on, Matthew Riding 8 overs, 2 for 15 Grimmy, 8 overs, 4 maidens 2 for 17. When you're bowling more maidens wickets take, and wickets taken, to me, that's just as if not more important. The wickets are going to come. Someone will get them. But not everyone can bowl stump to stump. Not everyone can bowl tight. Uh, Jesse Ballenden, who I believe is their leading wicket taker for the year. 1 for 22 from 8. And uh, Grant Reardon, who comes at the end and um, steals the lollies. 2 for 5 off 5 balls. Uh, Waters Bay didn't have it all their own way. They've lost 7 wickets in the run chase. Uh, Dave Sullivan only got a scorcher cut Manly in half for an LBW. Big wicket early. Uh, Neil Smith coming back from those Australian country championships dismissed for seven. Scotty Burns and Reardon steadied the ship, but then the middle order. Um, you know, a friend of the show, Dave Absolin, uh nicked off. Holly Knight, young keeper, who I should uh, add took five catches behind the stumps in the journeyman innings. Uh, young eighteen-year-old wicket keeper. That's a you know, great achievement. You know, Rowan being a keeper, he'd um, take his hat off to that, I'd imagine. Uh, but Chris Reardon, who I think this is on his first or second game, brother of Grant, has come in. And um again, you look at that, 17 from 35. So um five for 41. Journeyman, big chance of boy- a boil over in that game. But Warners Bay, were able to steady the ship. Uh, Scotty Burns batting significantly deep for that. innings gotten them to within uh, two runs of victory. Three-wicket win to Warners Bay. Um, They'll breathe a sigh of relief. They got away with that one.
0: They will, and uh, Rowan Kelly, another opportunity to speak with you. That's an unusual batting performance for Bay And what was a very tight game of cricket, but their bowling this year has been very consistent. Yes, Bataland is leading the, the wicket taking, but they are they can come at you from several different ways, and it's going to be fascinating. Let's just hope for nice hot weather and a nice dry deck so that the two of you get a cracking game. But they were very they were convincing here, um, but certainly West definitely made them work for this, uh, Rowan.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean the journeymen have got some quality players in their team, and I mean, um, it obviously seems like it was a difficult place to play Hexham on the weekend, <laughs> but um, that going back to that Wollongong bowling attack, it's pretty good. Um, you know, Simon Smith's a very um experienced campaigner. He'll be um taking the newborn on Saturday, and as well as Matty Riding, who I know you'll be putting in, and especially against his old team, he'll be digging in. But then you got yeah, the skipper comes on and bowls well, and. And Burnsie's not no mug with the ball either. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe um, I, yeah. <laughs> I hope it's a road and we bat first. Should I say that? Put on two. Oh, oh, it, oh. It, it, it'd be
0: great <laughs> if it was 180 to 170 or 200 to 180. And you know I, I, you don't always want to bowl a dominant thing and quite. A, and remember the, the the caveat is here: is it was wet. It was wet here. Yeah, there were there was big rain. We had issues at Lin oval. We got a game of cricket on, but the you know that it wasn't the perfect opportunity to prepare pitches. So that's what happens sometimes in cricket. Uh, again, Warners Bay just keep on keeping on. In the one game of cricket where there were some decent scores made this weekend, although a couple of teams got runs very quickly. Port Stevens, seven for one hundred and seventy-four depleted CBs one hundred and forty all out. This game at 33 Park over there at the Terrace. I've got a question to ask uh, Dan Saunders at the at the end of this uh, about a certain opening batsman from Port Stephens. I'm not sure if you've been chewed up about this, but I've got to ask a question. Uh, Josh Moxie, 34. Jared Moxie, 53. Some uh, double Grant Garlander, t- typically quick 20. And they got 174 off their 40 overs. So they batted out 40. Skipper Jabendu Mishra, three for 29 of eight of eight overs. And 2 for 37 for Shafiq Syed, who's been quite consistent this year alongside Uzair Mohamed Omar. But a pretty good performance there with the bat by the Port Stephens, batting deep, not giving wickets away and not losing wickets in clumps. And then in reply, the CBs were in all sorts, more poop than a Werribee duck. And then down the order, Mishra has had a great day, Debenu Mishra, 40 off 62 right down the order. But they couldn't, they all out 140, a 34-run win, for the Pythons, three for to Jeremy Kirk, two for for late of Everly and his father Jason, two for twenty four off eight. So the Everlys, and then Tyrants taken one for twenty five off eight. So a superb performance there, uh, leading into Sunday's cricket. But gentlemen, that's a pretty convincing and competent performance from the Port Stevens Pythons.
1: Roland can go first. Yeah, yeah, they're the, they're they're a very good team, and um, you know, they won it last year, so I'm not. I'm not surprised by that performance. I'm a bit—I was a bit surprised they actually got on and get that score up there because it does get a bit of rain around um, Raymond Terrace. But obviously they got the um, covers on nice and early, and um, yeah, it must have been a good pitch to bat on.
0: It certainly looks like it, um, and with enough in it for the bowlers, like you know, 140 all outs and an okay score interestingly there for mine the spinners had a, a significant effect you wonder if it was raggy a bit with a little bit in the in the deck because yeah there's a they, little
1: bit up there actually i noticed that with our spinners when we played there um this year and even last year um there's there's a little bit in that deck for the spinners up at um raven terrace with
2: yeah, well, the quality of yeah, spinners they have i would imagine they would prepare that as such
1: yeah not, but
2: you,
0: uh yep they're, they're entitled to, to prepare dry decks. That I think everybody... Uh, not quite what we're about to see in India next week in Nagpur. Nah. I think you're going to see an absolute rip-roaring Bunsen burner. And if Ravi Chandran Ashwin and Ravindra Jadeja aren't bowling inside the first session, I'll, I'll go he. Now, yeah. uh, Dan, just a quick question. I've got this from a reasonably well-sourced person who's an official in Indian cricket. Um Lee Williams. <laughs> now, I've, I've been I've been asked to to say this. Is Lee Williams actually a pelican dance Saunders? So I well, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but I've been asked to ask that. Wow. Um, I would never have described Lee Williams as a pelican.
2: Okay, um, sure enough. And, and I think there's, there's a, the source. If I'm picking up what you're putting down, is probably the last person to be uh, throwing jobs
0: at anyone, left, right, or centre. You know who the source is. I just thought I'd ask. That's all. And uh, I've done my job, yep. and that gives us the roundup of the games played. Um, just, d- you go, Dan, yeah, I've got the letter to come up. Dan, go, re- get on just thought take this off.
2: yeah, just on this game, Jared Moxie's 53.
0: Oh, yes, um, sorry, go on.
2: Yeah, I just I'll, I'll get this through, um, covered now, but that 53 is actually Jared's 100th score of 50 or more in his career at the Port Stevens Pythons, um, which what? is a his 100 score of 50 or more. Now, I've got the stats here in front of me. The Pythons have put this out in the last couple of days. So, um, how's this? So, he's played 383 matches for the Port Stevens Pythons. His first game as a nine year old. 356 innings. These, these are factual statistics. 74 not outs. He has amassed a total of 12,747 runs at a career average of 45.2. 19 centuries with a higher score of 255 not out in a 40 over a side fixture.
0: You've an got 80, to be kidding me. In
2: 81 half centuries. That was his 100th total in senior cricket for the Pythons in um, over uh, yeah, 30 years since his first match. So I just want to do, um, touch on that. They're fantastic figures regardless of uh, what brand of cricket that you come from. Um, had a few years at Stockton District too. I, I made my first grade debut uh, in the same game he did back in 2001. Um, so he's certainly no spring chicken, but hats off. Congratulations on those statistics. Now, I am reliably informed, though, uh, when he got to four in his innings...
0: Oh, that this took is a funny story. Years. Listen to this, Rowan.
2: <laughs> so, also in, in com, com scoring that fifty-three, he also became the first cricketer in this new competition to get to one thousand runs in Division One. So that's a fantastic achievement. I can guarantee no one on this end is keeping up with those statistics. But I'm led to believe, quite uh, reliably, that when he got the four not out, he's raised his bat, honouring the thousand. Uh, <laughs> no one watching the game, i.e., teammates, etc., had any idea what was going on. God love the Carter Fulleru boys. They're seeing a guy raise his bat. They've all given him it on a the pause. <laughs> so, um, there's some sledging material for the rest of the season uh, for anyone listening. But well done, Jared. They're sensational figures. Uh, great bloke. And and the Pythons are certainly a lot better off for having him um, involved in their club.
1: No, oh, absolutely. In- he's, a, he's a key wicket every time. and Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, yeah well done to him.
0: Now, onto the ladder, and it's starting to get very, very interesting. Dan, I've got PlayHQ up. Are we assuming that PlayHQ is uh, 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 correct?
2: Uh, surprisingly, yes. It's up to date and
0: correct. I'm not, saying, no, I'm not saying nothing. I've guessed oh, that. Yeah, that I am.
2: I'm in a mood tonight. We'll get there. But, yeah, <laughs> yes, no, I know PlayHQ you are. The I... one ladder is uh, as accurate as I understand it to be.
0: Warners, Bayer on 40. The Merriweather Lions on 35. Port Stephens 33, Westwater Board 31. They're the top four. That Rose Scholars win is pivotal because they're just outside the four on quotient only with 31. And just by the way, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about Merriweather pogoing teams and Warners Bay. Warners Bay's quotient 1.689 and Merriweather's is 1.605. If Merriweather finished tied with a couple of these other sides... Their quotient's going to get them into places, and that's why you go and win games quickly. You don't necessarily need a bonus point as a catalyst when you've got quotients in there. And Rowan, that is that could end up being extremely important for the Lions.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um. You know, in the last two weeks, we've chased down our um. You know, our total with um only losing two wickets. So <clears throat> yeah, it, it certainly is something that um it's going to once it. Ladder tightens up. It could be the difference between getting a second chance or, or not. Is it something uh,
2: that? Um, uh, sorry, is it something just as skipper? Is it something that you're conscious of week to week, or that you talk to your team about? Like, especially in you know, I guess these smaller run chases, not to you know if you can get the runs two down and not six seven down. Is it something that's conscious, or is it just look? Let's just get the three points and the quotient will looks for itself.
1: Well, I think I, I, I'm pretty. I just want to get the three points, Sondo. It's sure. um, that's probably number one. But I guess, um, yeah, a couple last week um, against rogue, I was out there at the end and I was, I dug in and let Jace Pratt and do his thing at the other end, because I knew that I didn't want us to lose another wicket when we only needed a couple of runs. And, you know, um, you, you, yep. you know, you, that, that's a little battle you can have within yourself for that, but it's not something we, we discuss it. Something we might look at at the end of the game, but I um, yeah, I, I want to try and win the game three points first and foremost. And you know, if you do get a move on chasing down those scores, that's where you could lose a few wickets, and, and the quotient kind of goes out the window a little bit then too as well. So, true. Uh,
2: well, well said. Yeah, and 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 again, and you probably both agree, but with that two point break on the pythons, that's one thing. But that closure, one point six zero to one point one seven. In effect, that's like being another point in front because to turn that around with four rounds to go, uh, there'd have to be a massive drop in form from one team and a very impressive leap by another. So I, I see that that could very well be the difference there between the hosting week one and playing away in week one in the final series.
1: Yeah, I never really looked at it like that, Saundo, but yeah, it is. But, you know, we... <laughs> we win all our games and it's not an issue, so. Correct. Um, very good. That's very also, good.
0: that's exactly right. That's all you're going to do. Keep on getting up three points. It makes it very difficult yeah. for those behind.
1: And I'd like um, to see how we are. We go this week too. Like, you know, as as usual, you guys have said, you know, Warners Bay are going really well. They're on their home deck. It's a really good place to play. It'd be nice turning up there every second week and playing. Good wicket, good outfield and good facilities. So um, it'd be nice to go there and see where we're at and um, you know, have a bit of a tune-up coming in. But, yeah, you know, I love that. You know, the they're they on top of the ladder for a reason because they're going really well, so.
0: They are, and um, I think you guys might have righted the ship in the last few weeks. CNB's on 30, Nelson Bay 27, the Journeyman on 25, just ahead of Redhead on 25, and Mary on 23. Gentlemen, I'm going to put this through to you, and it may be hard for Rowan to comment before we move on because I've got a lot to get through. I reckon there are five sides who can make that top four. We've got a guest from CMB's next week, and they're still a show. I, I still think there's a, a bit of a gap between the top four and certainly seven eight, nine, and 7, 8, 9, and 10. If the Rose Scholars get going, they're dangerous. But I still think that Waterboard and Port Stephens, who Warners Bay and Merrill would, would play in a nominal final season we'll play this weekend, are very dangerous cricket sides. I think it's a terrific competition. And I cannot, I, I reckon I can pick the preliminary finals. I'll go and say it now, I think the preliminary finalists will be the top four that they are now. Well, yeah, I hope you're we'll, right. <laughs> from yeah,
2: our perspective. I, I tend to agree. I think the top four as it stands will be the top four teams, whether they're in that same order, um, especially with them all playing each other in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I think waterboard, especially, I mean, in the form that Mitch Cronin's in at present, Michael Ripon's bowling well. Jacob Rippon's been consistent with the bat. Uh, well over 200 runs for the season. Uh, I think the Pythons' last four games, I think three of them are at home, which will be right up uh, their alley. Merriweather have got a what I consider a favourable run home as well after this weekend. Um, Warners Bay would have to like fault. I mean, they're playing all the teams below them, but they can't get complacent. Um, again, everyone's going to lift against them. Everyone's going to, you know, of all the teams that they want to knock off, uh, warners the team, everyone's coming after. And, um, yeah, the next four weeks, and this is what I love about this top eight final series. If, if it was just a top four, yeah, it's fair to say probably six teams are still in the hunt with four weeks to go. And you start seeing forfeits and shonky results and, and I guess the standard of cricket plummets. Um, all 10 teams make like, the top eight. Um, and there's eight teams... Mm, Maybe seven teams that can still make the top four if, if they knuckle down in this last month. But that top four, it's, it's... Yeah, I wish I could be in two places at once on the weekend. I'm going to try and do the rounds. I've got a few bottles of chilli sauce. I've got to get out of this house for a few <laughs> I'll be doing the rounds around the various grades. So um, be on the lookout. But, um, it's
0: almost top- a perfect segue to the a player of the round. We'll just do the fixture run-through and then sure. go to Newcastle Chilli Brothers, if that's okay. Uh, yes, Dan, I, I agree with you. Extraordinarily, the games this week, everybody's basically playing the team that's next to them on the ladder. It's just a, a mathematical anomaly that must be one in a thousand. And this is what happens. CBs play Nelson Bay. That's at Cardiff number two on that belter of a track there. The Mud Rats are hosting Redhead. That's at Connolly. As we said, top-of-the-table clash, and this is going to be such an interesting game. We're, I wonder if Ducks and Drakes are going to be played by Messrs Grimshaw and Kelly, or if they're not, but it'll be a great game. Mm-hmm. Warners Bay hosting Merriweather. That's a beautiful fan oval. Another very important game, particularly for the journeyman, the journeyman hosting Rose Scholars at Exham, And then here's another fascinating game. Two teams very much informed. The waterboard make the short trek up to 1833 to play the Port Stephens Pythons. One V two, we've spoken about it. It is a cracking fixture. But gentlemen, that Port Stevens and Waterboard game's got enormous potential to be a great and it looks like it's been, you know, it's been quite hot and sultry. Where it's good, it should be a fascinating game of cricket up there at Raymond Terrace, gentlemen.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's um yeah, as you said, two form teams and um yeah, well, I guess from our perspective, I, I guess I want um waterboard to win, but um just for their where they are on the ladder, but um yeah, they got some good players in form and i think we've got them in the next couple of weeks too so um, yeah it'll be um it'll be a pretty good game as you said the top four play each other and yeah we'll see see where people are at a little bit of a dress rehearsal but um yeah there won't be any ducks in- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be doing me best yeah very well, good
2: saw if well, note. yeah well waterboard if, if they can um defeat the pythons up there at eighteen thirty three Park, they'll actually not only join them on 34 points they will jump them just again. The waterboard's quotient 1.259, the Pythons is 1.177. So, not only would they join them on points, a win their quotient's going to increase. The Pythons, if they lose, would decrease. So, the waterboard, and then with the Rogues Scholars playing, I believe, said the journey. And if they were able to be successful, you'd have three teams on 34 points and still in striking distance, potentially, of Merriweather if they were to drop a game. Merriweather knock off Warner's Bay, a three point. Uh, Gap between one and two with three rounds to go. And anything could happen, they could still potentially be in a minor premiership position for Merriweather. But um a Python's victory over waterboard, we see a four-point break between third and uh four. Well, the waterboard, if rogues goals were to get up, there'd still be a two-point break. But there's so much to play for. Even the Cartapoolaro Nelson Bay game, there's already a three-point break there between sixth and seventh. If carter Boularou were to get up there and that, they they Need a couple of wins to really get their season going at this late end. There'd be a five-point break between six and seven, which basically eliminates the bottom four from a chance of hosting in the week one of the knockout semifinals, But the top four get a second chance. Um, if you don't finish fourth, you want to finish fifth or sixth, or at least have the opportunity to host in week one. I know there's still four weeks to go, but having a look ahead, I've done my projections of where I think things are going to stand this is a this is probably the most important weekend of cricket leading into the finals yep. um, regarding uh, pl- places on the ladder as far as uh, finishing top two top four or in that five six for the bottom 16 so
0: and uh, remember again, the finishing I'll... top 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 finishing top two gives you rights with rain rights all the way through to the GF and that in Newcastle in February and March is critical remember ladies and gentlemen that round one Dan's already officially announced this on our podcast. Round, Round one. one from the 8th of October will actually be played on the 25th of February, and that will be the last game played. So the cricketers get a game back, which, given how many washouts there have been and, and things, that's great to see. Yeah. So, look, that's a massive game a slate of fixtures this weekend. Just before we go over to Dan for Chilli Brothers, it's CNB's hosting the bay, Nelson Bay the Mud Rats hosting Redhead, Warners Bay hosting Merriweather 1v2, the Journeyman hosting the Scholars, and Port Stephens and the Waterbug do battle up there at Raymond Terrace. Saturday, the 4th of February, 1pm. Get out there and watch. Should be some great cricket. Dan, Chilli Brothers, before we go to uh, John Bull Shield and a bit of a, a, a final catch-up with um, Mr Kelly.
2: Okay, so our weekly Newcastle Chilli Bros Performance of the Round uh, Award. We've had uh, some significant performances uh Throughout the week, I'll get through them as quickly as I can. It's one page, so it won't be too long. So we'll start again down in Division Seven. So, in Division Seven, David uh, Wheatley for the Maryland Fletcher Cricket Club, seven overs, five for 29. Outstanding performance there. Um, The Adamstown Hunters chased down 155, zero wickets down, a 156 run opening partnership. Jeff Dryden, 57 not out, seven fours and a six. And Ben Seba off the back of an 89 last week, 80 not out, nine fours and three sixes, so a 156 run uh, opening partnership, a ten wicket win to the Adamstown Hunters. Well done to them. Division six, Jock Wright from the Waratah Mayfield District Cricket Club scored 92 not out, and also took two for 29 with the ball, so a good all round performance there. Um, unfortunately, he's not even on the podium this week with that excellent all round performance. In Division five. Clinton Peacock from the uh, the Mary Ellen Mudrats uh, lower grade team. Five overs, four maidens, four for four. There's that for some impressive tight (laughs) bowling figures. And and I believe that game was on synthetic as well. So that's pretty handy bowling figures uh, on a road. Five overs, four maidens, four for four. In Division 4, Aaron Hood from the Adamstown Duke. Six overs, sorry, six overs. Six point three eight. This can't remain riding. Two maidens. Michelle five for fifteen. So well done there to Aaron. Chris Cassiado. I mean, poor old Chris can't take a trick for Beresfield Memorial. He scored his second century on the weekend for the season. One hundred and one not out off ninety deliveries with fifteen boundaries. An honourable mention there to Chris Cassiado. One hundred and one off ninety has been pipped, uh, as we'll see. In Division 3, Usman Ashgar from Warners Bay. And name we mentioned a number of times last year, he took a stack of wickets. Uh, back to form, 6.4 overs, two maidens, five for 11. I will come back to Division 3. Division 2, uh, Peter Murray from the Premier Hotel, who last year, remember in the last round, he scored like a massive 100 in a, to end up becoming the leading run scorer in the Division 1 competition. Uh, He found some form with 84 on the weekend, 12 fours and one six. And Samuel Parks from the Glendale Old Boys, 4.4 overs, three maidens, four for three. Some very economical bowling there. Uh, The local derby win there over West Walls End. In Division One again, as you mentioned, Jason Pratton, um, the evergreen Prado, eight overs, five for 16. He's second five for for the year. Our runner-up, This week's award is Daniel West from the Beach Hotel. Uh, On the weekend, Daniel West scored 134 with 11 fours and eight sixes. Now, you'd probably go, it's going to take a pretty (laughs) impressive performance to knock off 134. I'm just going to bring up the score sheet. This is a pretty impressive day out uh, by anyone's standards. In the same game, From the same team, Liam Flaherty has scored 100 not out, eight fours and six sixes. Now, they came together, don't have a partnership, but they scored three for 292 from memory. Flaherty's then come out with a pill of seven overs and taken six for 26. Thank you very much. 100 not out and six for 26. I defy anyone to say... He's not having chili sauce on his steak this weekend.
0: Oh, <laughs> absolutely! That—that's Ian yeah. botham-esque okay. figures, or Kapil Dev, or Imran Khan, or Richard Hadley, particularly botham, mm-hmm. who took a double century and a ten for in a chess match. But that's remarkable. That's a—that's a great day out. A century and a Michelle in the same game. You are kidding. And uh, just a superb performance. Newcastle Chili Brothers Award. We thank Newcastle Chili Brothers very much for their support. Rowan, just before we go to John Bull Shield, was there anybody um, at, at your club that you'd like to mention? Any volunteers? A couple of sponsors. He's your uh, mouthpiece. It's great to have someone from our on. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great having you here. But um, mate, is there anyone that you'd like to mention in particular on behalf of the club? And and uh, it's it's your little sixty seconds of go.
1: Oh, well, from our perspective and our team, I want to thank Ray Rutton, um, also known as Tucker, who um, really, he, he, he looks after our team and also he looks after the Summer Bash team as well as the John Ball um, team as well. Um, one of the great volunteers who, um, who just, you know, he just, all he wants is us to win. So if we can get a couple more wins, hopefully um, that will help him out. But yeah, Merriweather's a great club with some great sponsors. Um, that, you know, they, they look after us and they certainly include us as well, which is one one thing that I really love about um, Merriweather is um, that they make you feel like you're part of the first grade team and stuff like that with all their help there. So yeah, it'd be remiss of me not to thank the Mary Ellen. We did call in there the other day and had a couple of beers after our home game. Um, um, we're looking for a night out there in a couple of weeks, actually, hopefully after a win. So yeah, the Mary Ellen are good sponsors of ours. So I encourage everyone to get there and have a couple of beers.
0: And if you'd like to have an interesting night out, go and get in a shout with Proudman and Geary. That's always an interesting night for you. Uh, oh, and if, yeah. if you're going to get in a shout with Prado good luck, ladies and yeah. gentlemen.
1: Good luck. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: <laughs> and just quietly, I've just been checking Facebook while um, Dan was going through Chili Brothers just to check a couple of cricket things. Jason Pratton named him the Merriweather Cricket Club's Team of the Week for his Michelle, which is great performance.
1: Yeah, that's, that's two weeks in a row too for Jason.
0: Yeah, that's well. great, and, and that and Merriweather, a very very deep and a deep club and got a great culture there, a very very good cricket club, um, and like we're playing them this week, and I'm sure that we'll end up after week two uh, catching up for a soft drink or a beer somewhere at some stage. that's what our two clubs do. A lot of respect to it in Chopter grand finalist a few years ago. I might add. Now, John Bullshield, you will not believe this story, ladies and gentlemen, and it's got nothing to do with the Suburban Districts' performance at Bill Rose Complex, the Bill Rose Sports Complex, at Scone. So, this is the first game. The other, and remember, the, the ladder was very close, and basically, the the, the Suburban Districts Rebels needed to win, and they were in the GF. Upper Hunter all out for 118 off 32 overs. Dominic Cooper batting down the order made 26. He was top score. And listen to these figures. Talk about a Chilli Brothers performance. Mitchell Croner, six overs, three maidens, five for eight. I'll say that again, six, three, five, and eight with a wide in there. He's the skipper, and he's certainly led by example, Jason Everly, the evergreen Jason Everley, who I'm told had a rather large weekend, Daniel Saunders, with cricket and going out. Two for 24 off five for the left arm orthodox spinner and singles to Michael Michael Rippon, Leighton Everly, and Jeremy Kirk. Uh, Dan Dan must have been to, um, putting Telstra's uh, profits into into overdrive on the weekend. I know there are a lot of messages and phone calls going around <laughs> about these particular games. And the suburban district side, importantly for Quotient, after a bit of a rough early start with Lee Williams and Scott Burns out with for 15 between them, Jared Moxie, 36 not, Mitch Crone 59 out, uh, 59 not, um, 39 off 39 balls with eight and two. Got them. Remember, it's a 50-over game. Got them in 21 overs at six, basically six and over or just under. Jared Moxie, very steady. So that got the new suburban district's Rebels into the grand final. Dan, before we go to the other extraordinary game, that is a thumping performance away from home and a very convincing performance where um, the, the Rebels were, were a little bit shaky early on and didn't bet out their overs in one game it cost them. Not this time. That was a ruthless performance. Yeah, look, massive performance by the Rebels. Yeah. Um... They lost their skipper in the lead-up. Josh
2: Moxley was the late withdrawal. Uh, so, Mitch Cronin took over the captaincy and has led by example. I believe the previous game, he did a very similar job with bat and ball. Uh, Scott Burns filled in um, for the Rebels. Look, it was one way, Travis. Um, Cronin's first spell, I think it was five overs, three for eight. And he went through the top order by, with, uh, like Epsom Salts, as I like to say. Um, now I had them three for seven in all sorts of trouble. They have probably done well to get to one eighteen in the end. Um, some yep. late scores, as said there by uh, Cooper's Josh and Dominic. Um, now Jason Everly, um, the Evergreen Jason Everly, um, a very happy fiftieth birthday. He celebrated on Friday night. Um, quite the uh, evening was had. on am led to believe. Um, when I last saw him was last the Sunday. Proves his leg was in a knee brace. He's gone out and played on Saturday, bowled his eight overs, took a couple of wickets, and Sunday was his actual birthday. And as he was quoted, where else would you want to spend your 50th birthday but on a Bill Rose complex scone playing representative cricket and a
0: 50 over a side game? And what our our friend David Absalom described as 4,000 degrees red as it was at scone. Now, I've (laughs) been at that complex in Ray, and I've also been at that complex in heat for representative cricket, I'm telling you, it is not a place you want to be caught in a, in an upper Hunter Heat wave. Fair income, it is just hot as buggery. There's no breeze. You're in that valley there, and it, you know, I, I'd be I'd be sitting there in ice bars. I'm telling you, if I had to play,
2: which which really um, <laughs> shows how much impressive but, but, uh, 31st the fielding first the rebels' performance was because I mean, it's 38 degrees here at Charlestown and um, I wasn't very happy and, and comfortable. can only imagine how disgusting it was up there at Scone. Um, but a huge effort, and again, with the bat. A couple of wickets gone early. Lee Williams for 13, uh, Scotty Burns for two. Uh, Jared Moxey, we talked about him earlier. 36 not out, a patient knock, but the skippers just come out and just gone whack, whack, whack. Let's go home, boys. 59 not out of 39. Um, I think with his couple of uh, innings, Cronin's looking, he's over 400 runs and about 30-odd wickets for the season between John Bull. And waterboard having a huge season, and um, yeah, that, they're calling Jared Moxey Mister Suburban Districts around the traps. Um, but I think Mitch Cronick could be knocking on his door uh, to take that mantle off him over the next year or two. Um,
0: oh, I thought that was—I thought you were Mister Suburban District Saunders. That's why no. you, you created this podcast, and I <laughs> dragged me along as a gibberer.
2: I'm just the loud mouth who destroyed social cricket Newcastle, but slowly trying to rebuild. <laughs> it. Thank you very much. Um, but we'll move on. Um, okay, it's, so, all about the, it's all about the players. It's all about the clubs, um, and I'll just get some quick comment from Rowan. I mean, Rowan was in in the uh, the representative circles. I know in the first season, I'm not can't remember whether last year Rowan was, but um, some serious cricketers coming through, especially in this Division One competition.
1: Um, your thoughts? Oh yeah, exactly. It's um, good opportunity for him to play a bit of cricket. I'm big long in the tooth to do Saturday Sundays these days. Um, yep. Uh, but um yeah there's some good players coming through that um yeah they they want to do it and represent Newcastle so good on them it's 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 good you get to plan some good grounds as well which is Part and parcel of it. I remember the other year we got beat in the grand final the John Bull up at Lawn Park, and mm-hmm. I'd never played there before, but it was very nice to have a, have a game on there. Oh, nice, Lawn Park's nice a,
0: it's outstanding place, and it's yep. deadly because it's got a licensed club at, at Deep yeah. Cow. <laughs> I was going to say, and a well stacked bar in the pavilion. <laughs> thank you very much. Yep. <clears throat> and if I can just say, and this this is, uh, I will declare my bias representing Newcastle in cricket is. It's still, it remains an important thing, whether it be a suburban district, zone, Bradman, wherever. If you're representing Newcastle, it means a lot. It really does. And I am say that and I'll declare, you can have my boy, you can call me biased if you like, I don't give a rat's toss bag. It's still a very, very important thing. <laughs> now, what a game of cricket they conspired to produce at Lawn Park. Just, I still cannot believe this. So Cessnock batting first after Mark Pesini made 28, ended up nine for 80. And the final two of Brent Watson and James Collins have put on 34 to get them to 114. Now, you mightn't think that was much, but there's some context to this game. Maitland needed quotient and they needed it desperately. So that hundred, that last 34 runs became absolutely pivotal because it gave Maitland another 35 runs to chase. Okay? So bowling figures, Isaac Dennis, 3 for 26 off 4, Riley Harrison, 2 for 21 off 5, and Tim Burton opening the bowling, 9 overs, 2 for 34. So Maitland went out and were going hard early. Carl Bale, 21, Josh Trappler, who's a serious cricketer, 31 off 27 at the top of the order. So this is the scenario Maitland going for quotient, one none for 57, then two for 72. They got themselves to six for 113, still going fast because they, they, they remember their innings has lasted 21 overs. So they go seven for 113, eight for 113, nine for 113, but then it gets even deeper. Lachlan Wishart had to finish his bowling after two, three point two overs with an Achilles injury, and ladies and gentlemen, he was the last man scheduled to come in and did not bat. So the last three Maitland wickets fell for naught. They had a DNB and they lost by a run. Absolutely amazing. That's like fading in finals cricket. I don't think I've heard of too many things like that. I mean, I saw an amazing zone final this year at number one, but there's nothing like the drama of this. Dan and Roland, what an extraordinary game of cricket, and particularly the finish. Again, they were two for 72.
1: Yeah, I was checking the scores on my cricket or um, play HQ, and it kind of went dead. And I just went, oh, well, they must have just won. But then, you know, I read later that they they got beat, so... um... Yeah, interesting game. Cricket must have been bedlam there. There would have been some blokes struggling to get the pads on quick enough, I'd say.
0: Absolutely. And just to give you an idea of the bowling figures, Zach home opened the bowling, none for 21. Jace Lawson, for those of you that have been involved in Newcastle cricket, that's a very familiar name playing for Cessnock. None for 32. Off four, Brent Watson, nine overs, one maiden after getting run, six for 37. And Matthew Hopley, 6.4 overs, two maidens, three for 13. An they took taken nine for fifty between them to polish off Maitland and propel Cessnock into the final dance Saunders. Before we talk about the final Dan, your thoughts on what must have been an amazing game to witness? Epic choke, karma bus, hundred milony on. Okay, <laughs> leaving the ladder is this? That there's uh, uh, Dan will explain in a minute why he why he's is the way he is, and you'll understand it in a minute. So the wombats finished last on 12. Maitland, who probably would not have made the final anyway, with losing all those wickets on quotient on 12. Singleton, who were first, get pogoed out of the finals on 16 because Cess- they had the bye. Cessnock and the suburban district sides both won, and just by quotient, suburban districts finished first in in the equation. So it's a grand final between suburban districts and Cessnock, gentlemen. Dan Saunders, you've got some information and perhaps a, a, um, a few things you'd like to talk about in relation to the scheduled grand final of the John Ball Shield.
2: I'm going to try to be as professional as I can be. So just quickly, credit to Sestoff for winning that game. It was must-win for them to yes, it was. Uh, not not only make the final, but they could have actually finished on top. And with the victory, originally it was thought that they had Newcastle's quotient one Four seven four. That's the Suburban Districts Rebels. One point four seven four. Cessnock finished one point four four two. A B's proverbial in it a wicket, five runs. The difference across the whole uh, representative calendar. The Suburban Districts uh, John Bull Shield side so finished first on the ladder, Um, and as Rowan would uh, know, two seasons ago it was uh, identical. Newcastle finished on top. Cessnock second. Mm -hmm. That was the final. Unfortunately, two years ago, Sestock uh, got the better of us in a great game out there at Lawn Park. Um, for reasons unknown, and it's in their rule book that the team that finishes first has hosting rights. Now, two seasons back, uh, the game was decided that it would be played at Lawn Park in Maitland. Um, first season in, Coppet Sweet. Last season, Newcastle and Maitland did not enter teams for various reasons, but let's just say. Uh, The archaic uh, organisations, the Hunter Valley Cricket Council, were doing no one any favours. They had a three-team competition. I don't even think their final went ahead. It was washed out. This year, Newcastle Suburban Districts and Maitland ended teams back to a five-team competition. The final was originally set to be played this Sunday, the 5th of of February. Unfortunately, uh, Cessnock have another commitment. They're playing in a Country Cup, I believe, T20 tournament where they have a semi-final this Sunday. So that's a clash. Yeah, yeah. Sestock want to field their most strongest team. The Rebels understand that. Um, the 12th of February, they're unavailable because should they win this Sunday, the final for that competition is then that Sunday, the 12th. The Suburban District's Rebels can't commit to the 19th as they have um, their final pre- preliminary round fixed in the uh, NDCA Summer Bash playing Merriweather. Um, and the following Sunday, should they fall into the quarterfinals and we a victory in that Summer Bash fixture, they may fall into the bottom part of the top eight um, are being played on the 26th. Um, both Newcastle and Cessnock have appealed to the Hunter Valley Cricket Council for the game to be hosted in Newcastle. Cessnock have actually written a letter of support and credit to them. Um, at one stage, if the game was going ahead this Sunday, we look to have number one sports ground locked in, which both teams, both clubs, and what a great advertisement, not only for cricket, but for the John Bull Shield. What an p- opportunity for the players who don't play district cricket in Newcastle. They're playing one-day social cricket, the Cessna guys. You know, if the best ground they get to play on Slawn Park. That's one thing, but they were happy for New- the game to be played in Newcastle. The Hunter Valley Council um, have knocked that on the head. As we stand, there is no set date for the John Bull Shield final, and as of last night, they're trying to play the game at Singleton on a ground which does not have covers. So, excuse me if I sound a bit perturbed. The efforts that go into, as uh, Rowan mentioned earlier, what Ray Rutton does behind the scenes for this representative squad, um, on top of his other commitments, he's got a full time job. He's heavily involved in soccer with Maitland in, in the Maitland or the soccer first yep, grade there, right. in the, yep. uh, soccer competitions. Um, you know, you think I make phone calls, Reds. And I've pushed my involvement back this summer to, to you know, get my headspace right. Um, you know, There's selectors. They can't even select a squad because they don't know what date uh, this game's going to be. Now, I'm going to say it. The Hunter Valley Cricket Council need to have a good, hard, long look at themselves. It's an absolute disgrace that their prestige tournament doesn't have a final date set. Um, that they're trying to play the game at whoop-whoop. And, 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 it's, and it's a slap in the face to the players. who give up their Sundays, it's representative cricket. But as Rowan alluded to, you know we get to a certain age, you know, playing Saturdays is great. And you know, some of us happy to get the permission from the trouble and strife to be allowed to spend our Saturday afternoons playing the game that we, you know, we all love. Sundays, and it's not T20, it's 50 overs a side. You're giving up your whole day. Those Newcastle boys had to leave at 6.30 on Sunday morning to go to Scone and have a game of cricket. Okay, these Cessna guys, they've flogged their guts out against Maitland in a must-win game, taking in effect four for zero in a game that they had every right to say, we've lost it. They need one to tie, two to win. And they can't even... Neither neither team can be given the respect and the Hunter Valley Cricket Council to at least set and stick to a date. I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I want to see the game go ahead for the Rebels and for the Cessna guys. But I wouldn't be surprised if... um, the Hunter Valley counts and the John Bull Shields being played, you know, by a couple of you know, Tivoli Wing Marbles teams in a park at Robins Oval next year.
0: Brian Over. A bit hard to follow that, to be quite honest uh, with you. Can I just speak, say, about Ray Rutton? I have a little bit of insight into, into um, be, in being involved in representative cricket, and every single thing I've heard about Ray Rutton is that he puts my minimal efforts to, to shame. And I spent a bit of time with rep cricketers, as as you probably know, and those of you that don't, I I have been. But from what I've heard, Ray Rutten is one of the real champions, not just of Newcastle cricket, but in all of New South Wales country cricket in in his organisational abilities and how much work he does. So enormous credit to him. Let's just hope that final gets played and they get a good venue for the game gentlemen that's about all we've got that time for tonight uh Rowan thank you so much for sitting here and listening to us Gibran. and I hope good. you've enjoyed the, I hope you've enjoyed it and think um please have it there's an open invite to come back but again mate thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it
1: yeah mate I'm happy to come back just let me know um yeah let's big weekend of cricket the weather looks pretty good um it does I, I don't personally I don't think I've ever played so many um games in a row without a washout so I can't believe how often we're playing um. Those um those washouts were a bit of a thing in the past at the moment for us, which has been good. So um,
0: don't hold your breath. It's coming to March. Don't hold. Your, uh, this That's, is why you need to finish second or first. I That's agree. As simple as That's that.
1: the top two is very important. So
0: it is, and especially if you can win this weekend, you get a lot closer to Warners Bay. Saunders, yep. thank you so much. Just to let you all know, Saunders, and I will be in commentary this Sunday, but at a little bit different venue. Dan Saunders, please just quickly fill us in.
2: Uh, well, I need to thank you for arranging it, but uh, my understanding is a uh, 50-over side, and Grey, one day international. P- in P- it's Sydney...
0: a and po- Grey conference final, Randwick, Petersham and North Sydney. At North Sydney Oval, which I'm really looking forward to. I guess, for me, that's the equivalent
2: to playing uh, John Ball Shield final on number one sports ground, getting to commentate 100-over game of cricket. Sydney, Grade cricket at, at North Sydney Oval, part uh, the second-best ground in New South Wales after the SCG, and getting to the... Um, I guess the sidekick to the doyen of of cricket, you, uh, (laughs) Dave Redden. So thank you for lining up that opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And I just hope the Hunter Valley Cricket Council don't put their nose in the way of that.
0: Very good, and it's it's not actually true. He has to put up with me for 100 overs in his ear, and that's never fun for anybody. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Saunders. We'll catch up with you next week. Hopefully, we, we can come back and that we've got things on track and we're we're in a, in a better state than we uh, were tonight. And I do understand where you're coming from, Rowan. Once again, thank you for your uh, support. Thank you for joining us. Best wishes to Merewether this weekend and for the remainder of the season. We look forward to catching up with you again soon, my friend.
1: Yeah, cheers. No dramas. Thanks, fellas on behalf Thanks,
0: of Rowan. Dan on, on behalf of Dan Rowan and David you all take care we'll speak to you soon bye for now